GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, grain markets and farm exports will be among the issues discussed at the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan annual meeting this week in Saskatoon. We'll hear from President Ian Boxall. Saskatoon is playing host to Canola Week, three days of presentations and annual updates on trade, markets, research, agronomic issues, and cutting-edge technologies. We'll hear from some of the speakers that were on hand yesterday, and we'll have a feature interview with Corey Jacob, who is Saskatchewan's Provincial Oilseed Crop Specialist. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio is looking to buy your canola. Call them today at 306-272-6284. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we woke up to a very cold morning this morning. Can we expect some changes, some warm-up anytime soon? The extreme cold warning does continue. The temperature is not coming up in any sort of hurry, though I suppose relative to how we started, it has. We were down around minus 34 for several hours through the night. The wind stayed up just enough to keep the wind chill well under minus 40. We've seen it uh, really most of the morning now under minus 40, and that's why the extreme cold warning continues. Through the afternoon, we will continue to rise. The wind is from the south to southeast. There's not a lot of warm air for it to pull in, but it's going to do what it can, and we are going to gradually warm through the 20s on the negative side, finally up to around minus 15, likely, though that is coming in through the evening hours. But as we do get closer to minus 20, that wind chill, with the wind staying right where it is, will get back into the minus 30s. That doesn't make it safe to be standing with exposed skin for long, but it takes it away from being almost immediately dangerous for skin. So that's the good news in the forecast. Then there's better news, and that is this deep, cold air mass, which has been in place, is going to begin lifting out. We're going to see some improvement over the next couple of days. Through the night, in fact, we only back down to the low minus 20s, around minus 22, mainly clear sky and a diminishing wind, too. So wind chill, not too much of a factor for tonight, but obviously with a cold temperature, any kind of wind will drop us down to near minus 30 with that wind chill. Tomorrow, we'll check on a few more degrees from this afternoon up to around minus 12 under a mostly sunny sky. And tomorrow night, very little cloudiness at all. Once again, the wind does start to pick up. Minus 16 is our low, but that wind does tap into a bit of warm air. There's not much, but... It's starting to build up a little bit to our southwest, a weak ridge setting up. The cold Arctic high is moving northeastward and away, allowing that slightly less cold air to work its way in. In fact, Friday through the weekend, we're pretty close to average, mostly dry on Friday, in and out of cloud cover with a high near minus 9. There is the chance that we get a couple of flurries on Saturday. A storm system will cut across. It's actually... Almost a warm front. It's not truly a dividing line with warm air, but it does 
sort of open up the gates for that ridge to move in and lock us into that more seasonable pattern. Flurries are possible with it. Minor stuff if we get anything Friday night, early Saturday morning. Otherwise, the weekend features sunshine Saturday with a high of minus 8 and a little more cloudiness on Sunday with a high of minus 7. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw and Swan River are at minus 30 degrees. Dauphin, minus 24. Brandon, minus 27. Show Lake Russell, minus 26. Roblin, minus 25. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington are at minus 24. Saskatoon and Indian Head, minus 23. Hudson Bay, minus 27. Broadview Mooseman, minus 20. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a south-southeast wind at 21, gusting to 30 kilometers an hour. 72% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 27 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 39 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 23 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 33 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 9. The normal low is minus 19. The sun rose in Yorkton at 8.39 this morning, and it will set at 4.43 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Sprague at minus 16 degrees. The cold spot Thompson at minus 37 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Val Marie at minus 13 degrees. The cold spot was Key Lake at minus 40 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. It's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. And we have your toll-free number at one 783 beef and forage report. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mostly lower across the province during the past week. Jace Fawson with the Livestock Branch of the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture says weather was a key factor in feeder cattle prices during the past week. Feeder steer prices were mostly lower across all weight categories with the exception of the lightweight three to 400 pounds steers seeing a gain in price. Average prices ranged from 317.35 per hundred weight for the lightweight three to 400 pound calves to 219.33 for the heavyweight 900 plus pound calves. The largest price decrease was 550 per hundred weight for the four to 500 pound steers the remaining categories were mixed, ranging from 512 per hundredweight lower for the 8 to 900 pound steers and up 66 cents per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 pound steers. Average weekly feeder heifer prices were also mixed, but mostly lower compared to the previous week. Prices ranged from 245.21 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 weight heifers to 201.50 per hundredweight for the 800 plus pound heifers. The largest price increases were seen in the lightweight heifers, increasing 92 cents per hundredweight, and the largest price decline was seen in the 800 plus pound weight category, declining 445 per hundredweight compared to the previous week. He outlines the factors behind these changes. Weather remains the main driving 
factor in calf prices. Um, we've, as we've seen weather fluctuations and extreme cold, that's limiting marketings and buyer interest in the feeder market. When it comes to marketings, Canfax reported Saskatchewan feeder cattle volumes at 20,488 head over the week. This is half of the 40,694 head seen last week, and it's below the 25,687 head marketed during the same week last year. And as for market-ready cattle prices... The Canfax price for Alberta-fed steers reported on December 2nd was at 183.08 per hundredweight. It was up 59 cents per hundredweight from the previous week. Alberta cow prices were down over the week. The price of D2 slaughter cows decreased 340 per hundredweight from the previous week to average 83.20. And the price of D3 slaughter cows was down 80 cents per hundredweight to average 73.70. That's Jace Fawson with the Livestock Branch of the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. Smaller than expected Canadian lentil production in 2022-23 could limit the country's export potential going forward, according to an official with Pulse Canada reacting to the latest production estimates. The report from Statistics Canada released Friday contains the first survey-based production estimates of the 2022-23 marketing year, while previous ones used satellite imagery. Most crops saw increases in production compared to the drought-stricken 2021-22 marketing year, but many production estimates were adjusted downward compared to those from the previous report released in September. Lentil production increased to 2.3 million metric tons, compared to 1.61 million in 2021-22. However, the estimate from September's report was 2.78 million, and the trade expected 2.7 million. Demand for potash is coming back after a year of reduced applications, but not quickly enough that fertilizer giant Mosaic plans to keep all its Saskatchewan mines running at their current pace. Florida-based Mosaic has now temporarily curtailed production at its potash mine at Kalonzi, about 65 kilometers southeast of Saskatoon. Kalonzi had been operating at a pace of 1.3 million metric tons per year, and Mosaic plans to expand that annual output to 1.8 to 2 million metric tons by late 2023, following the restart of that mine's second mill. Meanwhile, though, with demand returning slower than expected in the second half of 2022, Mosaic says its inventory levels are sufficient to meet near-term demand. Underground work will continue toward an expected restart of both mills in early 2023. Plans have been unveiled for another major soybean crush plant to be built in North Dakota. Epitome Energy LLC has announced the construction of a $400 million U.S. facility on the north side of Grand Forks, about 120 kilometers south of Emerson, Manitoba. It marks the third and most northerly soybean crush facility to be announced in the state in the last 18 months, with work also underway on large crush plants at Spiritwood near Jamestown 
and at Castleton, west of Fargo. The epitome plant at Grand Forks will be designed to process up to 42 million bushels of soybeans per year. In a presentation to Grand Forks City Council on Monday, a spokesperson explained demand for soybean oil is being driven by growth in renewable diesel capacity. The company also plans to market meal to the hog sector north of the border in Manitoba. Australia is forecast to harvest record large wheat and canola crops in 2022-23, with improved crop prospects in many parts of the country, more than offsetting losses in others. That analysis comes from the latest crop report from the Australian Bureau of Agricultural and Resource Economics and Sciences, released just yesterday. Total production of all winter crops is forecast to reach 62 million metric tons, which would be the second highest on record. Heavy spring rainfall led to extensive crop losses in New South Wales, with the moisture also causing harvest delays in the state and neighboring Victoria. However, conditions were much more favorable in Western Australia, South Australia, and Queensland. Of the total production, Australia's wheat crop is forecast at 36.6 million metric tons, which would be up 1% from the previous record for the crop set in 2021-22, and well above the 32.2 million metric tons forecast in September. The country's canola crop is now forecast at 7.3 million metric tons, marking a 4% increase over the previous record set last year. Australian barley production is forecast at 13.4 million metric tons, which would be down slightly on the year due to smaller acres, but still the fourth largest on record. U.S. renewable diesel production capacity will more than double to about 5 billion gallons by 2024 from about 2 billion gallons. The agricultural commodities trader Bungie has not altered its own capacity plans due to a U.S. government proposal on biofuels announced last week. Under the plan announced by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, oil refiners will be required to add 20.82 billion gallons of biofuels to their fuel in 2023, 21.87 billion gallons in 2024, and 22.68 billion gallons in 2025. Some analysts said the proposal's increase in the amount of biofuels that refiners must use was not as great as they expected, a view that has pressured shares of Bungie and rival ADM. And that's the agri-view portion of our program. It's time now to head back out to Danny Ismond. one 783 Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and minus 27 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Grain markets and farm exports will be among the issues discussed at the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan annual general meeting this week in Saskatoon. President Ian Boxall expects over 100 rural delegates to attend the conference. I think we'll have, uh, you know, several discussions around the cost of inputs. We'll have, you know, I think there'll be some conversation around transportation and what that looks like for the, you know, the 
the shipping season we're going into here as we're hitting 30 below again in Saskatchewan and what potential delays we could see there. But we're going to have a presentation from Crop Insurance and it'll be interesting to see what the new program looks like for next year. He expects the shortage of veterinarians will be a hot topic as well. Absolutely. We will have a discussion about all that as well when rural veterinarian services and and what that, you know, the limits that puts on producers. And Boxall is hoping for some good attendance numbers at their meeting. I think we'll have somewhere between 120 and 180 people in attendance between members and guests and all of that. So really looking forward to it, having a full-on annual general meeting again like we did pre-COVID. The APAS annual general meeting runs tomorrow and Friday in Saskatoon. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of the Yorkton Crossing Retirement Community. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 153.72. That's up 10. April live cattle trading at 157.67, up 5. January feeder cattle trading at 181.12, down 67. March feeder cattle trading at 183.32, down 82. February lean hogs trading at 86.92, unchanged. April lean hogs trading at 92.77, down 2. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, Saskatchewan's provincial oilseed crop specialist was a guest speaker yesterday afternoon during Canola Week in Saskatoon. Corey Jacob provided a production review for all three prairie provinces. So to start with um, with Alberta, we had about 6.5 million acres seeded to canola, about a 2.5% decrease from 2021, and about a 1.1% increase from the five-year average, a 417 bushel acre average yield which was 44.1% above 2021 2021's yield again due to that drought and about 8.7% above the five-year average we saw about 6 million metric tons of production which is about 31.9% of Canada's uh, canola production and that's about a 40.3% increase from 2021 and about 10% above the five-year average Moving into Saskatchewan, we had about 11.3 million acres seeded to canola, uh, down about 4.9% from 2021, and down about 5.3% from the five-year average. The average yield was about 37.8 bushels an acre, um, about 51% above the, the, um, the yield in 2021, again, due to that drought situation, um, as well about 0.8% below um, the five-year average. We had about 9.6 million metric tons of production, which is about 50.8% of Canada's canola production, and about a 43.5% uh, change or above the 2021 production, and about 6.3% below the five-year average. And then moving east to our neighbors in Manitoba, we saw about 3.3 million acres seeded to canola, about 3.6% below uh, the, the numbers in 2021 and about 1.3% below the five-year average. A 42.5 uh, bushel an acre average yield, which is pretty decent given the year, um, and that's about 30% above the, the yield from the previous year in 2021 and about 4.5% above the five-year average. 
about 3.1 million metric tons of production, which rounds out about 16.5% of Canada's canola production. And that was 25% above from 2021, and then about 3.2% change from the five-year average. So when we go through some growing conditions in May, um, as our previous speakers had mentioned, we had um, very, very wet conditions that delayed seeding, especially in eastern Saskatchewan and Manitoba and the, the Peace Region of Alberta. Western Saskatchewan and a good portion of Alberta were on the drier side. Um, definitely some reports of staggered emergence or, or emergence issues. I, I pulled a lot of this data from the prairie uh, crop reports, um, so it's hard to get some, sometimes you have some localized or some more generalized um, reports. As well, um, there were no significant frosts, I believe about mid, mid-May for two weeks in a row. Um, so again, some assessment of the damage from that, and as well, quite a fair bit of flea beetle pressure. So again, assessing the, the damage and the 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 that the control measures needed or is seeding. So this map is from the Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation. So this is kind of their their, their crop insurance equivalent to Saskatchewan. So this basically is um, kind of the, the variety acreage comparison for the top 10 canola varieties grown in Manitoba. This is based on 3.2 million acres seeded and, and reported to the office. So on the y-axis, you have the acres. The x-axis is the hybrid. So we can see the, the far majority of acres went to L340 PC and L233P. And then we go way down and we see L345 PC, L357P, L255 PC, and then L356 PC. Then moving down to uh, DKLL 82SC, L358 HPC, P505 MSL and 1028RR to round out the acres for the um, the top 10 varieties grown in Manitoba in 2022. Noting the top six varieties are the Invigor uh, Liberty Link production system, so that has quite a stronghold um, for acres in Manitoba. So um, and then rounding out the the the, uh, the Bayer line, the Pioneer, and, and the Bravant as well uh, systems. So continued growing conditions in June, we see seeding complete in a lot of those areas that were too wet. So eastern Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and the Peace Region of Alberta. Um, as mentioned by some other speakers, some timely rains in, in southern Alberta that did help with the moisture situation. Uh, west, the western part of Saskatchewan stayed quite dry. Um, I had read in some of the crop reports we did have a, a heat wave um, partway through the month. And as well, the, the late seeded crops behind, so having some issues with that. As well, um, I would probably note too, again, flea beetle, continued flea beetle pressure on those, on those later crops. Moving into uh, into July, uh, the dry conditions in most of Alberta and, and western Saskatchewan kind of persisting. As we also noted, the temperatures were, were quite warm for the growing season. Um, kind of a year of extremes where we saw extremes from, from drowned out to excess moisture to extremely dry conditions where we had crops pretty much being written off um, or, or producing very little yield. As well in the Manitoba crop report, I read quite uh, quite a diverse stage of canola crops where we had crops being reported, you know, in July that were at, only at the four leaf stage of their development and some that were lucky to be seeded earlier that were at 50% bloom. So again, management implications and some issues for, for producers with that. And of course, also in July, um, continued rain in Manitoba. I, I believe the crop report stated 2022 was one of the wettest year, one of the wettest years on record for for Manitoba. 
moving on into kind of the fall and harvest conditions, um, there was a good start to harvest where the where, where the conditions were more dry. Um, still very or continued very wet um, in in Manitoba and eastern Saskatchewan. Um, there was in in the Alberta crop report there were some very good yields predicted in certain areas. Um, they seem to use an index system. And some of some areas were reporting about 1.05, maybe 1.1, so 5 or 10% above their kind of their long-term average yield index. And I think I kind of um, alluded to or showed that with the, with the production summary earlier on where they had some strong, relatively strong yields um, and above the five-year average as well. Now, my, my counterpart in Manitoba, Dane Frase, he sent me this photo which is um, showing some lodge crops. There was quite a fair bit of heavy rain and, and wind that lodged a number of crops in Manitoba. So producers were dealing with some more challenging conditions um, and dealing you know, a little bit of extra management needed to, to help that crop along when it, when it comes time for, for harvest. But being every, the majority of crops, especially in eastern Saskatchewan and Manitoba, being behind in their growth stage, still, as the previous speakers had mentioned, the crops did come off. We didn't leave any crop over winter. Just a lot of harvest took place later on into October for, for, for those wetter areas. And then, of course, coming off um, in good condition in those drier areas where they could get at harvest uh, a lot earlier. And I'm just going to end with this slide. And I know Mr. Hadowin had, it, had as well uh, shown it, but just on, on the left, you have the Canadian drought monitor, kind of where we were in the spring. So we were, you know, anywhere from abnormally dry to in a moderate to, to severe drought um, across Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and, and parts of, of British Columbia as well. And we did have some varying rain throughout the growing season and, and some relief. But then, um, as, as of course had noted by, by, Mr., by Mr. Hadwin, that we did go back um, backwards with some drier fall conditions. And as of Halloween, kind of going into fall freeze-up, we were seeing, again, you know, abnormally dry, moderate to severe drought-like conditions across Manitoba, Saskatchewan, um, Alberta, and even moving west into British Columbia. So hoping that we can get some, some good snowfall, even though snow doesn't account for a lot of our moisture, but maybe we would get some optimism back. But really, we need some, some, good, uh, some good timely rains next growing season, hopefully early on to kind of get us, get us out of the drought conditions and, and bring back some, some optimism because it has been a tough year for certain producers and other ones have, have fared a lot better. Corey Jacob is Saskatchewan's Provincial Oilseed Crop Specialist. He was a guest speaker at Canola Week in Saskatoon yesterday. Hey, it's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. And we are with the Yorkton Exhibition Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. January canola trading at 865.10, up $15.60. March canola trading at 854.30, up $14.60. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 903.5, up 7.5 cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 851 per bushel, up 21 cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 7.53 per bushel, up 24 cents. March corn trading at 6.43 per bushel, up five and three quarters of a cent. January soybeans trading at 14.74 and three quarters, that's up 19 and three quarters of a cent. 
March oats trading at 335 and three quarters, down one and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Well, as you heard, Saskatoon is playing host to Canola Week. Three days of presentations and annual updates on trade, markets, research, agronomic issues, and cutting-edge technologies. Chris Davison is a Vice President of Stakeholder Relations with the Canola Council of Canada. With new canola crushing plants expected to come online in two to three years, there's increasing pressure to increase yields and oil content. We need research, we need strategy, we need policy, we need analyses, we need money, we need support, we need innovation. There is no single or silver bullet. So our approach is and will continue to be to work and advance in this space on multiple fronts. Speaking of yields and oil content, final numbers for the 2022 crop were also released. Saskatchewan accounted for 51% of canola production, with an average yield of 37.8 bushels an acre. That was 0.8% below the five-year average. Alberta had 32% of canola production, with an average yield of 44.1 bushels an acre, 8.7% above the five-year average. Manitoba's average yield was 42.5 bushels an acre and accounting for 16.5% of Canadian canola production. While oil content was decent over much of Saskatchewan and Alberta in the 43 to 44% range, the numbers were poorer in drier regions of the prairies. Veronique Barthay is with the Canadian Grain Commission. We're still higher than normal in temperature. We're still low in moisture. But I kind of look at the distribution on the oil content. If you look at the southwest of Saskatchewan, this is where you find the lowest oil content of, from everywhere for the average. And the second one is actually the south of Alberta. There were no chlorophyll issues anywhere on the prairies, thanks to the extended good harvest weather in September and even into October. The most degrading factor actually was not green seed, was oxidized seed, orange seed, brown seed. And that's probably related to the stress and the lack of moisture and the heat stress that the seed had. We saw some of it also in Manitoba, and that's not related to heat, that was related to too much moisture. There were also some geopolitical discussions regarding the European Union's current views on environmental regulations for agriculture. Lynn Fortin is the Deputy Director of Science and Technology Branch with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Invest in innovation, including the reduction in the dependency on, on gas and fuel inputs, as well as reducing fertilizer and pesticides. That one stays, in, stays there, folks. Um, and then a big emphasis on circular economy, bioproducts, biofuels, reduction in food waste. And uh, they've recently sort of renewed the emphasis on their uh, renewed protein strategy, which is a bit reflective of their, their little feed crisis that resulted um, after the, the Ukraine situation. Canola Week activities continue today and tomorrow in Saskatoon. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Schools were able to send kids back to Agribition this year, marking the first time since 2019. 
One booth that was popular with the kids was that of Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan. Penny Eaton, the operations manager with Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan, explains what they had at their booth. We've been super busy this uh, this week. Uh, we're happy to offer virtual reality farms so kids and anyone can come by and look inside a turkey barn or a beef cattle ranch or um, mushroom farming or all different types of farms. You can put on the VR headsets and see what it's like inside the farm. She's glad that students from across the province were able to attend Agribition this year. It's wonderful to see the kids and everybody back, just happy to be out and about. And it's nice to see so many people interested in agriculture. So Ag in the Classroom offers lots of resources throughout the province. And it's nice to be able to get those in front of people. And farm and food care. We like, we like to be out here where people can see all about farming and food. Eaton says it's important to show city kids what a livestock farm looks like. Yeah, it's very important to offer these kinds of experiences so that people have a chance to see inside the barn. So many kids and so many people generally don't have a connection to agriculture that they might have had years ago. And now they can have a look inside a barn by putting on a VR headset. She hopes more people will take advantage of Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan in the future. We'd love for people to check out all the tours, so if you can't make it down to Agribition, Farm Food 360 has all of our tours on your computer, so people can check that out and see all the different types of farming across the country. There's also CanadianFoodFocus.org, and there's all kinds of food information on there, what kinds of foods are grown in Canada. So lots of resources for people to check out. That was Penny Eden, the Operations Manager with Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan. It's coming up on 1 o'clock on GX on Agriculture. That means it's time to check your GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions. An extreme cold warning remains in effect. For today, partly sunny, winds south at 15 to 25, a high of minus 16, a wind chill at times below minus 40. For tonight, a few clouds, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 22, a wind chill of minus 35. For tomorrow, mainly sunny, winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, a high of minus 12. Friday, partly sunny, winds southeast at 15 to 25, a high of minus 9. For Saturday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 8, and Sunday, cloudy, a high of minus 7. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 30 degrees. Dauphin is at minus 24. Brandon, minus 27. Show Lake Russell, minus 26. Roblin, minus 25. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington reporting it at minus 24. Saskatoon and Indian Head, minus 23. Hudson Bay, minus 27. Broadview Mooseman, minus 20. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky. A south-southeast wind at 21, gusting to 30 kilometers an hour. 72% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 27 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 39 degrees. 
That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Broadcasting from the traditional lands of the Treaty Four Nations and homeland of the Métis people, this is CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station. We are GX94.